everybody, and welcome to The Reb. Grow for Greatness, this is Peretz B, a.k.a. The Reb, and that means the Reb with the cause, and the cause is you, in case you didn't know it. That's right, the cause is you, and uh, we're happy that you came on board. I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything. Our talk lines are open, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. So let's rev it up, and you can become a member of the Rev Club just by dropping a line to me at media at gmail.com, saying, yes, I'd like to become a member of the Rev Club, and uh, we'll fill you in on that. And you can reach me on my personal coaching line for questions that you might have, things that you might have wanted to discuss but didn't get a chance to, and that line is 848-221-4605, 848-221-4605 in our uh, private coaching line, anything that's on your mind. And uh, we can do something similar to what, uh, what, uh, what one of our good friends here does, which is you can ask a question there privately, and then we can address it on the air and throw it out to... Uh, to some of our constituents and friends in the uh, in the audience to see how they might have handled a similar problem, and then I'll of course give my take on it based on on the way I would understand it. Again, I don't claim to know everything, but you can't talk to me about anything. You know, based on uh, I don't like to be cynic on the degree that I have in psychology, though it, you know it is a bona fide degree from a bona fide university. But I think the greatest the greatest training anybody can have is if you're in a yeshiva environment and have a rav or a rebbe by whom you learn and you didn't take a degree in psychology but everything that you did and studied gave you that ability to have that insight however i'm not discounting the need to have real good training in either coaching or psychology so you know the tools and dynamics of that which brook Hashem i do have as well i'm merely saying that having a credential as a um, as a health professional, doesn't necessarily qualify somebody to uh, be somebody that can help and assist in a way that might be needed at any given moment, uh, or the other way around, somebody who might not have an LSW but has a coaching certification or even rabbinic certification might be more much more qualified. It's an interesting conundrum, and uh, the main thing is to have somebody who's trained qualified, experienced, ha- has, I would like to thank Gira Shemayim and, um, and the good of the parties that they're involved in. I've seen and met with people that are therapists from all walks of life who I would wonder why they are in that position. I mean, dangerous, could be dangerous. At any rate, we hope that uh, things are going well for you, and we've got uh, our lines open. Hi, how are you? Parents, be good morning. What's on your mind? Hello? Okay, good. So there are some things that are on my mind that I want to talk to you about. Uh, one of the things that I want to get to without delay, without delay, is something that was written by Rav Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg, the There's a safer, I don't know if they carry it in the local bookstores. If they don't, you should order it immediately because it is probably among the greatest books ever compiled in English of some of Rabbi Scheinberg's rushes. I would urge you to go out and get it. Or if you know somebody who knows Rabbi Scheinberg, find out where to get it. It's called um, The Sivas Chaim, The Torah Way of Life. I only have the volume on Shmos, but I would urge anybody, if you can get that or um, or any of the other volumes, uh, I, I, I'd like to be within their... Uh, I really want to contact the family. It was 
put together by Rabbi Shlomo first, he might be a good place to start. But yeah, you have to you have to hear this, and you are going to hear it. And then only after that, after that, then we can open up discussions and things that we're talking about here, and also to other things which might be on your mind. Like I'm interested in knowing, for the sake for the sake of the cloud, where you're holding in terms of what you think is going on in this presidential. Uh, if you want to call it a race or a circus or whatever else you want. I'm very much disturbed by it, and not only that, but I'm very bothered by one of the statements I heard by a Rav whose name I don't want to mention, who's respected and is a, probably, and no doubt, is a wonderful person, but why he continues to say opinions that are not are not sufficiently founded in where things are and where they're going and what and what might be to make a statement endorsing somebody at this point and making his projection, um, I'm, I'm disturbed by that. I don't think we really should be doing that yet. I do think we are going to have to take time to think long and hard about what this means for the good of not only the United States of America, but for the good of Kral Yisrael, Lahavdalelavavdalaz. I mean, we are citizens of these great United States, whether you consider yourself an American Jew or a Jewish American where you ever put the degish. The point is, when a person lives in a country, and it's a country that has extended chesed to, uh, to the people that live within it, there, there is a responsibility to uphold, given that the country is, you know, one that has at least a, a, an intention of some type of moral fiber. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about the fall of the Roman Empire or, or living in, in, in Deutschland, during that time, nobody would say that you'd have to support that. But there is, there is a um, there is a principle, and Turkey always talks about it. So you know, beware of the of the local government. They only do what's good for them, and then abandon a person when they don't need them. Oh boy, I, I saw that personally. Remind me to tell you that story. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that later on, Blinetter. I do want to talk to you about what I saw and what I have in front of me now by Rob Kine and Pincus Scheinberg. I want you to listen to this wherever you are, whether you're a man, woman, or child. If you're taking a break from whatever you're doing, if you're in a car, you might want to listen to this. I think your day and your life may very well be transformed, as is mine, by looking at these words. And it's in this week's Parsha, Vayakel, where Rabbi Scheinberg says that Kral Yisrael, that's you and me, my friends, eagerly and generously contributed everything needed to build the Mishkan, everything. In fact, the Ramban mentions that all the supplies arrived on the same day. Moshe Rabbeinu was told that the donations exceeded the need more than more than was needed. The people are bringing more than necessary to the work. Hashem has com- work. Hashem has commanded us to do. Everyone. Everyone wanted to participate in this great opportunity. The princes, the select leaders of the, the 12 Shvatim, the 12 tribes, gave an extraordinary gift befitting their elevated status, precious gemstones to be fixed upon the the chayshin, the breastplate, and the shalom stones placed upon the shoulder straps of the ephod of the coin gadol. There was only one problem with their donation. As precious as the gems were, and indeed they were precious, they arrived last. Well, you could say, right, most precious. 
not 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 really the proper application of that here. Later, when the princes donated to the inauguration of the Mizbeah, they responded quickly and were the first to contribute. So let me ask you, what made them change their behavior? In the first instance, they were last, bringing precious gems, but they were the last, something which uh, actually there's a title on them for. That was a problem. But later, when the Nassim donated to the, um, to the inauguration of the Nisbeah, they responded quickly with Zrizis and were the first to contribute. So I want to ask you, what made them change their behavior? 718-683-5858. I want you to think about that for a moment. What made them change their behavior? Well, Rashi asks this very question, and he quotes Rabbi Nossin. If you have a Sefer Shmos in front of you, you can look at it. It's in Lamed Hay. And, um, Aleph Beis Gimel Dalet Hay with Zion. Yeah, in Kaf Zion. In Lamed Hay. You see it there? Rashi asked this question, quoting Rabbi Nussan. What did the Nisim, what did the princes see that made them the first to contribute to the inauguration, <coughs> pardon me, of the Mizbeah? When at the construction of the Mishkan, they did not contribute first. During the construction of the Mishkan, the princess said, let the public, let the Tzibur make their Nadavas, the contributions, and what is lacking, we will complete. Now, doesn't that seem like a very noble thing? Whatever you're missing, we're, we're going to complete. Since the people contributed everything, the princess said, well, what's left for us to do? So Rashi explains, that to make amends for this delay, when the time came to contribute to the inauguration of the Mizbeah, so the princes decided to be the first ones to contribute. Nonetheless, their first decision was not without consequences. In other words, this was a great tikkun that they did and a great uh, way of, of improving that which they had been neglectful in doing in the first instance. But there were consequences. Rashi concludes, so listen to this, the fee, because they were lax at the beginning. A letter is lacking when the seam is written. There's a letter which is lacking in the word princess. The letter yud was removed from their title to indicate a demotion from their previous status. What's going on here? So the princes agreed to bring the most valuable of all the contributions. And if need be, they would make up in full, in Gonson entirely, for any shortage in supplies. Certainly a noble thing to do. At the beginning, there was no way of knowing whether Klagisrael's contributions would be enough to cover all the work. So the princes committed themselves to what might have turned out to be a large amount of gold, silver, and many other expensive materials. They didn't know what was going to be, be lacking. On the surface, wouldn't you think in fact, it's patently obvious that this is a generous offer and a praiseworthy worthy decision. So what's going on? What's the problem? However, the problem is their approach was seriously flawed because it was slow in coming. Yeah? You got that? There was no need for the, for the princes... To, uh, to wait. There was no need for the princes to wait until the end to step forth with their contribution. They could have 
just as well brought the jewels first, and then, and then, if necessary, donated whatever else was lacking. Given their stature and Hashem's expectations of them, the princes miscalculated, and they they failed. Their decision, though, cannot be considered just a pushed, simple error in judgment. Why not? A great deal of thought and consideration surely went into their group decision. Nevertheless, since the underlying cause was, was what? What was the underlying cause? The underlying cause, my friends, was laziness, like Rashi tells us. And that, my good friends, is a character flaw. And I'm not accusing you of it, chas v'shalom. And uh, I, I'm not saying that, that any of us are guilty of it, but I'm not saying that any of us are entirely free of it. Obviously, this is a lesson for all of us to learn. We have to do self-scrutiny, which the Mesil Sisharam talks about, that if a person has an opportunity to do something and they don't want to do it, the Mesil Sisharam says we have to scrutinize ourselves and say, is the reason I'm not doing this is because I don't think that there's any practical value in doing it, or is that a rationalization because the person is just too lazy? You know, I'm thinking out loud now. You know, this past week, my daughter and I saw a tiny ant, as opposed to a huge ant, scurrying across a piece of furniture in the living room. I don't have to remind you, this is Adar on the uh, secular calendar. It's February. It's the height of the winter in terms of its coldness, despite the fact we've had some warm weather, but it's been pretty cold. You don't usually see ants this time of year. And I commented to my daughter, because we just learned something in Mishle about how a person should go to the ant to learn how to be industrious, not lazy. So it reminded me that I have to think about the things that possibly I might be reluctant to do, not because there's not a justification for it, but maybe just out of, out of laziness. So the Torah, the Torah lists, according to Hashem's command, the building materials for the Mishkan. And it says... Gold and silver and copper and techelis and purple and scarlet wool and linen and goat hair and red dyed uh, ram skins, tachash skins and acacia wood, oil for illumination, spices for the anointment oil and the aromatic incense, shoham stones and stones for the settings for the ephod and for the uh, choshen, the, the breastplate. The precious gemstones, the most valuable of all, are listed last. Now, in his commentary on this passage, listen to what the Orachim says, what he asks, and this is brought down by Rabbi Scheinberg, here's the question. I want you to think about this. Why are all the Shoham stones and the stones for the settings written last after all 11 categories? It would be proper, says the Orachim, to list them before gold and silver since they are more valuable. Perhaps the reason is because we find that the princes brought them last. After they saw that Klag Yisrael brought everything needed for the Mishkan. The outcome was, is because I'll say, that a Kaddish Baruch was critical of this and removed the letter from the way princes is written. And for this reason, the Shem arranged that the stone should be listed last to indicate that these are the least of all of them. Now I'm getting to the, I'm getting to the, the major point that we want to bring out here, the major point that Rabbi Scheinberg is bringing out. So I want you to hold on, be patient, and just listen to this, okay? Because, I, I, as I mentioned, it's transformed my life. It's transforming my very day today. 
And I believe if you'll take it to heart, if you'll heed it, it will in yours as well. The princes lost their distinction by bringing the gemstones last. A Kurdish Baruch was not at all impressed with the value of their contribution. Kralitzer donated wool, linen, animal skins, wood, oil, and all other basic building materials, things that usually are not very costly. Nothing of what Kralitzer brought could compare to what a single leader of a tribe contributed. One gemstone could be worth millions, far more than a, a ram skin. In addition, the princes also made an open-ended commitment to subsidize any de- deficits. Now, notwithstanding this generosity, a Kaddish Baruch valued Kaliusro's efforts and contributions far more than theirs because Kaliusro gave first and with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. The prince's lack of initial enthusiasm diminished the value of the contribution. Would you believe that the enthusiasm that a person has for doing something or the lack of impacts the mitzvah, the deed itself? Laziness is such a serious character flaw that the Ramkal, who I just mentioned, right, Ramosha Chaim Lazat, who should be upon us, devotes four chapters, four chapters, Mesil Tisharam, to discussing its opposite, Zrizis, alacrity. He explains that were we to ask a learned but lazy person why he's lazy, he would defend himself with proofs from Tanakh, Shas, and Kazal. He'd give you really, really a. a a vast array, a, a tour of shots, as it were, and Chazal supporting his arguments and justifying his behavior. Very logical. What makes matters worse is that it is human nature to be slow and lethargic because the body is made up of inert physical matter. It has a built-in tendency to remain at rest unless it's forced to move. It's a basic law of physics. Hey, you didn't need this Isaac Newton to tell you that, right? A body at rest tends to stay at rest. A body in motion tends to stay in motion. You've heard that before. Well, we knew that way before Sir Isaac Newton. If a person doesn't fight against his nature and change it, he will not accomplish anything. But if he does, he can accomplish everything. The the lazy man's logic becomes distorted by the body's drives and blind to the falseness and corruptness of his excuses. He truly believes. Yep, that his behavior stems from sensible decisions and correct reasoning. This leads him to deny the real cause, which is a character flaw. Who wants to believe that we've got a character flaw? In truth, his flesh makes him slow and his intellect doesn't guide him. His thinking process eventually becomes so distorted, so distorted, that he won't even listen to proper his sage advice. He remains firm in his ways and won't admit to any defects in intelligence or personality. I want to tell you, by the way, my notes in this safer go back um, a number of years ago, a number of years ago, when it was also in the middle of winter, when there weren't ants, or at least, you know, not in that part of Eretz Israel, and there was a whole a whole entourage of little ants in my hotel room, and I told it to my son-in-law, and he says, it's very, very unusual, Tom. And then, and then I had another amazing incident happen, but can't tell you about that right now, but I'm merely saying it did open my eyes literally and figuratively. So a person remains unaware of the great danger that stems from his natural inclination to be at rest. The body at rest tends to stay at rest. A body in motion tends to stay in motion. The Ramkal states that when it, be, when it comes to the performance of a mitzvah, delay is the greatest danger. A danger, you hear it's a danger, not just a character flaw. It's impossible, E.F. short to see what may interfere with the accomplishment of the mitzvah. That's why the tzaddikim that we know, 
perform all their actions immediately. Enthusiasm and alacrity characterize all the mitzvahs. Boy, was that ever embodied by Rabbi Scheinberg Zetzal, Rabbi Victor Miller of the Bracha, Rabbi Hudner Zetzal. Anybody who's there to see them knows that. They have refined their personalities and act this way because they clearly see the dangers involved in delaying performance of their obligations. Their thinking is not swayed by the laziness of their bodies. The Ramchal calls the character trait of alacrity, Shlemus, Shlemus Gedoyle, great perfection. It's not just a way of doing things, a technical aspect of performing misses, though outwardly it may seem so. Eagerness, my good friends in the J-Root listening audience, eagerness and swiftness in doing misses and an all-encompassing, deeply-rooted trait that, if developed, will ultimately govern all aspects of a person's life. I'm not talking about being compulsive. I'm talking about being alacritous, moving with reasons. You make up your mind to do, do something, move it quickly. Take your time to think about what you're going to do. Once you make up your mind, move like greased lightning. Acquiring this trait, this trait acquires motivation. And the source of that motivation lies in knowing the importance of mitzvahs. When we appreciate and know the chashivas of mitzvahs, we'll do it. People who have important things to do, to accomplish, they don't waste their time. They do not waste their time. The princes of the tribes, these great leaders of tens of thousands, made a mistake by bringing the precious gems last. Not only did the princes lose out, but also the gems themselves lost their real true value because Hashem didn't favor the priceless jewels. However, these great leaders did not lose their own significance simply because of a mistake. No. It was much more serious than that, because the cause was a flaw in character. Therefore, the way the Torah wrote their title was changed, and it lost a yud. A fire of enthusiasm should have been burning in their hearts. They should have run to bring the, the gemstones first. In contrast, when Klal Yisrael responded quickly, this was a true indication that Klal Yisrael valued this mitzvah Hashem valued their enthusiasm most of all. Hashem values your enthusiasm. Hashem cherishes our enthusiasm. Zrizim magdim the mitzvahs be a mezaraz. Let's do it together. I want to tell you one thing that I just saw now from Rabbi Pliskin. It's, uh, you know, as I say over these Divrei Torah, and it comes the time of year to say them, I get a certain chizuk from saying them over again and refreshing myself by seeing them again at this time of year. And one of the things that I have emblazoned on uh, one of the, one of the, um, the major parts of my brain, I hope, is this idea that when you increase your initiative, you accomplish much. Not because you did it. Not because because not because of my great strength or, uh, or, or, or talents. But Hashem sees initiative and, and He cherishes that. Listen to this. Listen to this. And each person whose heart motivated him came. This I heard from Rabbi Scheinberg as well. And Rabbi Pliskin, Bad Lechaim brings it down He's by the Ramban, who says that when they needed motivation from their hearts, because there was no one who had ever previous, any, nobody had a previous experience. Anybody have any experience building a Mishkan here? Nobody had experience. There were no teachers available to train them. There was no OJT, no on-job training. But there were people who had the courage to come before Moshe and say, Moshe Rabbeinu, I will do all that you say. And not because there are a bunch people who, who didn't have minds of their own. There was nobody who had greater minds of our own. Uh, we were a, a stiff-necked nation. We weren't going to take orders from anybody. Moshe Rabbeinu was giving us the word of Hashem. Moshe, I'll do what you say. 
Rabbi Yerucham Lubavitch commented that if we look at the really wealthy, successful people of the world, I'm not talking about the Balai Gaiva, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who understand. And even the people who really don't understand, the truth is that because they have this quality that Hashem gave them that insight for one of the reasons he decided it, but he saw that they have this quality, so success follows from that. Rabbi Rucham Lovovitz said, if he didn't say it, I wouldn't say it, commented that if we look at the really wealthy people of the world, we will see that they are people with great initiative. There are major differences between people who reach the top by having much initiative and those who stay behind because of lack of initiative. The Torah notes that the people who are successful in the, in the, the sacred work, the Kedusha, the, 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 the very precious Kedusha, sacred work of building the Mishkan, were successful, were Matliach, because of their inner courage to come forth and volunteer to do what was needed. That's brought down in Das Torah and Shmos. You can look it up. Now listen to this. I want you to take it, put it in your pocket, and wherever you go today, I want you to use it. And use it for the rest of your life as well. Okay, and you can call me anytime and say, Peretz, remember that boy you told us? This is what it meant in my life. And by the way, Peretz, Peretz Baruch, are you using it? We hope so. Be aware of the moments in your life when you felt a strong desire to accomplish spiritual greatness. I'm not talking about Gashmi's greatness, although it does apply in many ways there. But think about when you could have achieved something in terms of Harbatsa Satira or Marble Covered Shem Shemayim. Be aware of the moments in your life when you felt a strong desire to accomplish spiritual greatness. You wanted to do that chesed. You wanted to help at that parlor meeting. Let those memories motivate you in the future to have even more initiative for true accomplishments. Have the courage, my friends, to accept upon yourself to do what is needed. You can do much more than you think. Just like that tiny ant could do much more than it thinks. There was a great song, I'm not telling you to go listen to it, but it was way back when I was growing up a kid called, um, I think it was called High Hopes, but there was a great line that says, Once there was a little old ant, thought he'd move a rubber tree plant. Anybody knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant. And then the refrain goes, but he had high hopes. He had high hopes. And because he did, that little ant, which we know has been invested with tremendous kayak, even though it's basically a weak creature, but it has tremendous strength at the same time, bit of a paradox, it knows that it has to do it. It has to do these things to survive. We have to learn. And when a person has a strong drive to accomplish, to do what's needed, you'll find that you have many talents and abilities that would have remained dormant had you lacked that drive, because Hashem has high hopes for us. There's a tiller that Rabbi Sosalantar brings down, and I heard it from Rabbi Yitzhak Kersman, they could sound like a bracha. Well, I met one of his relatives about Elohim recently, and I told him that this board is transforming. He brings it down in the name of Yusuf Salanter, who says, there's a tefillah that is always answered. Please remember this, my friends. A tefillah that is always answered, he says, despite the fact that there's a Gemara that says that there's a wall, uh, a separation of bars that separates us and a Kaddish Baruch that we have to break through, through our tefillahs, through our vayda, through our learning, through tears, through simcha, right, through those moments where the windows are wide, wide open, which, by the way, it is now as we're in Adam, Misha, Nicholas, Adam, Arba, Vesimcha, and Simcha can break through the gates of anything. But listen to Rabbi Yisrael Salat, as Zegah said, when a person says this tefillah, Hashem, please help me to be everything I could be. Hashem, help me to be everything you expect me to be. Because what you want from me, Hashem, I also want. I think I got that right. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But take note of this. 
please, Hashem, help me to be everything I could be, everything you expect me to be, because what you want from me, Hashem, I also want. All right. Take that tefillah. Say it today. Watch your life change. I'm not a Navi or Ben Navi. I'm just passing on the words of Revisal Salanter. And I'm telling you, it's changed my life. It is changing it. And it will change yours, Be'ezus Hashem, if you mean it and you act on it. All right. 718-683-5858. Your response to anything we talked about today or how we can help you implement some of that initiative, something you want to take initiative in. I've got some things I'm trying to take initiative on. Maybe you should call me and tell me, parents, get going. Let's do that stuff. Come on. 848-221-4605 is my personal coaching line. You can reach me there and ask a question. Or right here on JRoot, the station that listens to you. Be a supporter. Be a sponsor. Get on board with JRoot. Call us right now for anything that's on your mind, anything that we just spoke about, if you've got a thought about. And we'll talk about some other things as we move along before we sign off. But our number is 718-683-58. We'll take a little music. You can call me. We'll interrupt the music, of course, if it's an important call. And your call is important. 718-683-5858. Mazel tov to our good friends at, uh, at J-Root, our, our executive in charge of production, who made a hostel this past week. We wish him a hearty mazel tov. Only, only simplism. and thanks for all the great work he does in bringing J-Root to you. The station that does listen to you around the corner, around the club. This is Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb. Thanks for joining the Revolution. Let's rev it up. Come on. Misha Nick, this the Marvel Simple. Give us a call. Say hello. Talk to us. Say what's on your mind or on your heart. I don't claim to know everything, but you can't talk to me about anything. The Reb, licensed by the State of Awareness to live life, bears the Shem to its fullest. 718-683-5858. Aran, take it away. We'll be back with more on J-Root. The Reb, grow for greatness with me. Come on, everybody. 718-683-5858. Stay tuned. Oh, 
that okay everybody parents being i'll give you one more shot seven eight six eight three five eight five eight what do you want to be more enthusiastic about what would you like to be more um involved in taking an initiative on that you're not doing that's holding you back what would you like to do that you're not doing yet that if you only took a little more initiative or enthusiastic about might make a difference how can we develop enthusiasm through enthusiasm and through Enthusiasm. If you're enthusiastic, things will come your way, because Hashem loves that, that quality. any rate, the um, of just wanted to ask you something else as well, which is, what's your take? What's your take on where we're holding with this, um, with this election season? I have been reluctant to look at the debates until recently, because uh, I, I just wanted to have a perspective with that, of not just being, you know, totally immersed in it. But I wanted to, I have to see, as somebody who's involved in, to some degree, in the media, and also as a thinking committed Jew, I hope, what uh, what these people look like. I have met Senator Ted Cruz. I met him personally, and I enjoyed meeting him, and I thought he was very sincere and knowledgeable and, and a good friend of, uh, of the Jewish people. But, you know, one doesn't really know for sure because of what it says in Turkey Elvis that beware of politicians because they're friendly when they need you and now you know and I've already seen that with a politician who I worked with <laughs> a long time ago. How he, I don't 
think Cruz is really like that. Um, but Terkeller says it's true, so you know, maybe <laughs> it's, got, there is, it's got to be true, even if it doesn't look like it. Doesn't mean he's not a good person that he's not trying to do you know good things now. I'm just saying, when I met him, I was impressed by his sincerity and by his genuine interest. But we're seeing things now that are causing concern. One of the things that causes me concern that I'm watching about is that nobody's really answering the questions that all they do is go off into a skating attack on on their on their opponent. And it is it is so petty and low, it's certainly no nothing that we would hope that any member of Congress or would ever reduce themselves to because it's if you look at it, if you've seen it, if you heard it, and it's mamish from our perspective, it's deadly. It's lush and horror. It's mostly shemra. I mean, how does a person build himself up by by destroying the other person? And you would think that these are people who supposedly have some type of common ground, a common denominator of wanting to make the country better. But what does it look like? Does it look like you're trying to make the country better or just get a leg up? Because I want to be the guy. Now, I'm, listen. I think we got to be very careful about how we approach this, and we have to be careful about what we say because we know that, you know, the the heart of kings is in the hands of the Shem. Whoever it's going to be, and I mean anybody, whoever it's going to be, it's going to be somebody that a Kaddish Baruch decided this is who's going to be there, and we hope it's going to be for the good of the Eden. I'm very bothered by what a particular member of, um, of let's say the community said in terms of already outright endorsing somebody, and for reasons that um, I'm not quite sure. I don't know if anybody has the right to do that yet, unless you're Rabbi Vigdon Miller, Zegasana Zubraka, or, uh, you know, somebody else of that that stature. But one thing's for sure, ask your Das Torah. And I mean this. Well, why should I ask Das Torah I'm going to be voting for? You know why? Because anything that affects Klal Yisrael, which everything in the world does, you have to be careful about it. So before you get behind anybody, think long and hard about it. And let me tell you something. This is far from over. You, we have no idea what's coming down the pike with this. If it's as wild and woolly as it is now, just imagine what it's going to be as you get closer, uh, whoever it is. Anyway, what's your take on it right now? What are your thoughts on it? And um, what are your concerns about the candidates at this point? can reach me at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, or you can call me about something which is a lot more important about initiative and enthusiasm, how you might want to uh, improve either one of those and how there's a particular area of your life that you'd like to work on those two qualities, taking the initiative, the enthusiastic, or anything else that's on your mind. 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. This is Paris B., a.k.a. The Rev., I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything. One thing's for sure that we have to work on getting rid of procrastination and using our creative talents for Kaddish Baruch's honor. One of the things that we learn in the Parsha is that whatever abilities we have is for Hashem's honor, not for my honor, not for anybody else's um, quote-unquote honor, because so much of this that people do is covered. Covered, 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 covered. Our creative talents are used for Kaddish Baruch's honor. To think thoughts, to make with gold and with silver and with brass, it says in the Pasuk. There are two types of skillful artisans. There's an expert in making fancy vessels with very intricate designs, but this person is not really creative and original. After he sees what somebody else did, so he learns 
what that person did. He makes similar things because he really doesn't have that much skill. He's able um, to produce even a better work than an original designer. That's pretty good. But a really, truly great craftsman, however, is the one who's able to picture new designs in their mind. Their fertile imagination enables them to create original works of art. And that, Rabbi Pliskin brings down in the name of Rabbi Shlomo Kluger, Zegasana is what the Pasuk is telling us. And to think thoughts, that is, Basal have the ability to visualize entirely new artistic creations. So whatever abilities a person has, they can be utilized. The ones that you have, yes, as a wife and a mother, as a daughter, as an aunt, as a grandmother, as a father, as a brother, as a son, as a Rebbe, as a Talmud, can be utilized for the honor of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. But Saul used this great talent. Now, the talent, no doubt, was given to him by Kaddish Baruch Hu. But the way he used it, that was his choice. The way he used it, Hashem didn't make him do it. But Saul used his great talent to build the Mishkan for worshipping a Kaddish Baruch Hu. My friends, whoever is blessed with creativity should creatively find elevated ways to use it. I hope that I am doing that. And you can keep me in mind, you tell us that I continue to do so. And uh, that will be something that will give a Kaddish Baruch Hu Nachas Ruach. All right, I haven't heard from you today. One more chance, 718-683-5858, 718-683-58. And then we're going to sign off a little bit early today. If I hear from you now, we'll take the call. Otherwise, we're going to say, Zagazund uh, and Stark, until next time, my coaching line is open at 848-221-4605, 848-221-4605. You can reach me at EICHLER Media at gmail.com if you got something you'd like to hear about or something that you'd like to know about or something I can help you with personally. 848-221-4605 or E-I-C-H-L-E-R media at gmail.com One of the things Ray Fiskin points out in another one of his great books, um, Gateway to Happiness, is that once something is passed, you got to look as though it's just not there anymore. If you don't add insult to injury or insult to pain, and you don't bring it up again, just realize it's gone. You know, somebody makes an insult, but just forget about it. I mean, it's over, it's done, that was yesterday. Let's say a person was insulted by their parents, or husband or wife, well, that never happens, right? Or a teacher or employer, just an employer a few moments ago. That's gone, it's finished. Yes, it left an impact, but during the rest of the day, don't take those insults with you, don't hazard them over. When you're engaged in the other activities, be where you are. Don't live in the past. Don't be a tenant of the past, as um, French philosopher uh, Bernard Henri Livier said. We have to understand the past and appreciate it, know what the past was, but don't dwell in it. Don't become a tenant of the past. It's something which is finished. Like you had that shot at the doctor, it's gone. Don't keep thinking about it and rehearsing it in your mind. That is over. We have to learn that right now, what we have right now. Let me learn to live in the present. Where do you learn that from, actually? Right? Pliskin tells us that we have a tremendous advantage over animals, but you can still learn from them to live in the present right now. Rabbi Yitzhak Blauser pointed out in Koichwe Or, they have no worries or anxieties about the future, and we actually have to learn from dumb beasts and free ourselves from needless thoughts about the future. If you tend to keep focusing on the past or the future and find it difficult to remember you know, what, what your present orientation is, just think about it. Think like I mentioned we saw, I saw an ant, right? Think about it. Think about a bird or a dog or a cat or a fly or a bee and tell yourself, 
me just learn from this creature for one moment. Isn't it a bit humiliating to have to learn from an animal or an insect? No. Well, actually it is. But isn't it more humiliating not to learn from them? Let's learn to live in the present right now, to appreciate the past but not dwell in it, not to worry about the future, and to appreciate where we are right now, make every second count, with enthusiasm, as Rabbi Scheinberg pointed out to us, with reasons, taking initiative, as we learned from from those who donated the Mishkan, from Batal to use our creativity to serve a Kaddish Barco. You can reach me anytime at my listen line, 848-221-4605, whatever on your mind. Meanwhile, enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy the rest of the week. Make the best of it. Misha Nicholas Adam Marber was simply listen to J-Root. Become a J-Root sponsor or supporter. Call us up. Let us know that you enjoy the programming. And become part of the great J-Root family because we are here for you. Thanks very much for listening, and thanks very much for joining us today in J-Root. This is Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb, The Reb with a Cause, and uh, we've got great stuff on board for you. Again, you can always reach me at 848-221-4605 or Media at gmail.com. Stay tuned for more great programming on J-Root. Remember, in the words of Hillel, the rest is commentary. Now, go and learn!